Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adewumi. And today I'm going through the letters of Apostle Peter. The first epistle of Peter is what we're going to study today. And I pray the Lord will give understanding to all of you that are listening and have been following this teaching. In this letter of Apostle Peter, I'm going to give a quick summary of the first Peter. In chapter 1, he was talking that we have to be holy, be ye holy. In chapter 2, he said we should submit ourselves to the ordinances of man. We'll explain that when we get to that chapter. Chapter 3, he talks to wives and to husbands how to conduct, one another, conduct ourselves and loving one another and wife submission. In chapter 4, he gives some exhortation. And chapter 5, he talks to the elders and the younger people. And that we're going to go through chapter by chapter and I will more or less read and then stop and give some comment. I might refer to other Bible verses, other sections of the Bible where we can see similar exhortation. And when it gets to prophecy, we refer to some other sections of the Bible also. So go along with me, take your Bible and study along as we read this. First epistle of Peter, chapter 1. And he introduced himself as a Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galicia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, Apostle Paul's letter is kind of unique to the way he wrote his letter. He didn't say to the brethren. So he more or less just said to the strangers. Well, I wonder why did they interpret that to mean strangers? He was not just talking to Jews, you know, Apostle not to the Gentile church, is just writing a general letter to everyone that we read it. To when you call them strangers, mean they were far away from him. He was far more or less uh, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from Israel. But he's writing to all the people elsewhere. That's really what he means by to the strangers. So, but if we apostle Paul was writing some letter, he's always writing to the brethren, the church that he founded, to the believers. But Apostle Peter's letter was to everybody, strangers, that we read this and they have given their life to Christ or they, to him, they were just far away from where he lives, so he called everybody strangers. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But we are not strangers in the kingdom of God, we are now brethren. Anyone that is born again, anyone that has accepted Jesus Christ, we are all brethren. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Now let's read verse 2. Elect, now you see, he's talking to us as elect, so he's not talking to just unbelievers, he's talking to we that have accepted Christ, we are the elect of God. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. That means God foreknew us before he will even come to the world, and he has elected us. He says, we are elected according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through, the, through sanctification of the Spirit, Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now he said, we are elected by God the Father through his foreknowledge. And then it is the Spirit of God that is sanctifying us. Sanctification of the Spirit is we are being set apart for, for God. He has foreknown us before we came to the world. And of course, we human beings came to the world. We participated in many things that the world was ditching out, which are all ungodliness and offenses before we knew anything about God. But now we are called, because God has elected us before even we came to the world, that we are his children. And so he called us by the gospel. 
That's how we are, we are responding. When we respond to the gospel, we are elected to be re- to respond to the gospel. That's what he's saying. And he says, through the sanctification of the Spirit, now that he, we are responding, the Spirit of God is coming upon us to set us apart, sanctify us, set us apart from the world, from the world of ungodliness, from the world of sin. It's more or less it's, it's addressing us that you guys are set apart. It's not saying you should be. It's saying we are already set apart by the, by the fact that the Holy Spirit has set us apart when we are responding, where we have responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, through the unto obedience, we are set apart unto what? Set apart unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Holy Spirit is setting us apart, sanctifying us unto obedience. And this folk that is setting apart on this side, they are set apart unto obedience to God and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ that forgave all our former sins and even current sins and future sins the blood of Jesus Christ washing us so he's saying this is what God has done for you guys this is what God has done for us setting us apart you knew what before they came for the world as called by, by according to the foreknowledge of God we were elected and then the Holy Spirit of God setting us apart unto obedience Obedience to God and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, which continually plead our case before God, that we are accepted before God. The blood of Jesus. That's how we overcome the devil. Now he say grace unto you. So that is it's it's greeting to us, it's grace. More grace unto us and peace be multiplied. That is God's gift is grace. God's free gift is grace. Because what did we do to 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 warrant this? It's a gift of God. That's why I call it grace. Now, verse 3. The first time blessing God. Say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the restoration of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, his first letter was to bless God. And we all, when you want to talk to God, you want to pray to God, you also first thank God, bless Him, that He's great before you talk about yourself. So the same principle is what Apostle Peter said. After He greeted us, He said, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy is the mercy of God that has called us, that saved mankind in the first place, the mercy of God. According to this abundant mercy of God, He has begotten us again. When you say begotten, we were expect to be children of God when we came to this world but we, we went astray following the ways of the world now he has begotten us again bring us back to him to himself redemption we call it redemption it's almost like when you have a, a children in the days of the slave trade and your children your children went out before you know it they were captured by the slave the slave uh, traders who were kidnapping people and suddenly you start looking for your children you found them in the slave market chained you can say these are my children started fighting well most likely you can't fight these slave traders so what people do was to buy them back you say well you owe them this much you buy them back most of the time you don't see them anymore but it's because you want your children you want to buy them back. that's redemption and sometimes it may not be that they were kidnapped it may be that they actually owe money to somebody who say wait for you if you hold the money they have to sell this person like the story logical gave of a king that was that was taking care of his stock and find one of his servants owed him so much money and he couldn't pay he says sell him and his wife and his children sell him into slavery and the man fell down and begged 
that was what was going on in the generation of the world up to the days of the same, of the of the of, of the African being enslaved by the Europeans in the in Americas. See, they was uh, people were selling. They are, if anybody hold their money, they sell them. They grab both of them and sell them into slavery. And that was what was going on. But people, they are, their neighbors, their kinsmen can go buy them back. That's called redemption. And that is what God has done to we human beings also. We human beings through the fall of Adam, we were sold unto slavery to Satan. The old man is sold unto slavery to Satan. So Satan now was controlling human, humanity by all the sins and all going that he has been doing to mankind and causing sickness and this and death in the end. But God in his mercy came to redeem us. That's why he says he has begotten us again. That's what Apostle Peter is referring to in verse 3. He came to redeem us by the blood of Jesus Christ and paid for our redemption by his own blood. And that's what Apostle Peter in this letter in verse 3 was alluding to when he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That's he begotten us again. We were his children, he not begotten us again, redeem us back to himself. Unto a lively hope. It's still a hope. Why is this a hope? If you have to pay for it, yeah, it's still a hope we have that in the end we are going to inherit this planet back. All Christians will be resurrected to live on this planet. That's a hope. We should say that we raise them up at the last day. So it is a hope. As long as it's still not done yet, it's a hope. But when it is done, now that's when we finally got this planet back from Satan. And then Satan is locked up in the bottomless pit. According to the book of Revelation chapter 20, go and read that. But this is the lively hope. And how are you sure that this thing will take place? And that's Apostle Paul, Peter is now telling us, it's by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we know that this is guaranteed. Because after he shed his blood, and pay for it, then he came back alive by himself. That was why he's able to do this because they were, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it again. So Jesus Christ, after he paid for it, then he came back alive by himself. Because if somebody, if let's say you owe somebody money and they said that the way you are going to pay back this debt is to take so much pound of your blood. But you see anybody, if they take the blood out of somebody, he is dead, not so. But if the man that is going to pay has the power to, to come back alive, even though he has lost all his blood, that was what Jesus Christ did. See, he has power to come back alive after he has paid with his blood. He came back alive. He said, how can you live without blood? Why? Because he's almighty God. And that is what he says. We don't need the blood. You see, God does not need blood to live. It is God's life in us took up that body. But we human beings as physical on this physical body we need the blood. But when we are transformed, we are going to transform to a new body that God is creating for us that may not need blood anymore. You see. And and you see be flesh and blood but to be glorified, turning into light. So God has some things we cannot understand. But it is a mystery for mankind. But God knows what he is doing and that's what he's saying at the resurrection. It shall be like angels. Now look at this verse. Let's go on into verse 4 of First Peter. He said, God has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Now, this is the inheritance. What, what is inheritance? What, this is what we are inheriting from God. We are going to inherit something. Almost like when the father 
and the very rich man is about to pass away, he's about to die, he wants to divide his goods to his children. So he, he writes a will and say, this is what this fellow should inherit, this is what that son should inherit, this is what that son should inherit. So we as human beings, we are also inheriting what God has already created for mankind, this planet Earth, and many other things. And he said, we are, we are to inherit an incorruptible thing, in verse 4, an undefiled thing and that fadeth not away is reserved in heaven for you. So whatever, what, what, what God is preparing for us is still in heaven, reserved for us, and he's going to bring it to the earth, really. It's not just that we're going to go to heaven to get it. It's God is going to bring it to the earth in the end. That's what Christ said, that Jesus Christ will bring the dead in Christ back. You see that in the apostle, in the letter of Apostle Paul, when he said, those that are dead in Christ, God will bring with him. So why is he bringing them with him? If they are to be in heaven, no, it's, this earth is our own. This is where he created man to live on this planet, earth, physical planet earth. The physical universe, we can see through the telescope, you see all those galaxies, all those stars, all those Mars, Jupiter, those are all big, big stones in the sky. Some of them are bigger than this planet earth where we are standing upon. That's what God created for human, human beings to live on this, on this side and be able to also go into the spiritual world and back to the physical world and go into the spiritual world and back to the physical world like our logic can do right now. Because when he came, he was in the physical world. But now he can appear and disappear after he resurrected. He can come into another part because he has the physical body he can come into and he can disappear into the spiritual body again and show himself in form of light. That is what he promised that we are going to be in the end also. We shall be like him. See, and this is what apostles, uh, these apostles are telling, teaching in a way that this is reserved in heaven for us, but it's not going to be in heaven that we have to go to heaven to get it. It's going to bring it to the earth. That's what I was saying. God is bringing the saints that are dead back with Him and give them a new, a new body so we are going to inherit this planet earth. Verse 5 And He's saying, We that are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, he's talking about salvation of God, that is being saved from destruction of the world. We are being saved for that salvation, which is to be at the end of the world. You see, where we, see, we, we have a salvation rather which is saved from our sins. Yes, but if at the end, this planet Earth, we are going to inherit it back, but there will be a lot of colossal destruction of this physical world. There will be world war, which Apostle Peter alluded to in chapter 2 or something like that, when he said, this art is reserved on the second Peter, this art is reserved unto fire. If God is going to, if this art is reserved unto fire, like he said, the days of Noah, it was flooded and God destroyed the world by, no, by water. He said, this world we are in right now is reserved unto fire against the day of judgment. Now, we people believe when we read that we talk that God is going to destroy the world fire, God is going to allow man to destroy himself in this nuclear war. Which is still God is going to make it happen. And the human beings will not agree with one another, they will destroy one another with nuclear war. And that will be like fire from the sky when they blow all these nuclear bombs. And that's what is Apostle Peter is alluding to that there's going to be a salvation. Those who are going to escape that will be believers. God will protect his own people. There will be a rapture. Some taken out of this planet before those things happen. It's a form of salvation from those terrible destruction that's coming to the world, at the end of the world also. So he said, we are kept by the power of God in verse 5, I'm reading. We are kept, we are kept by the power of God through faith. The power of God through our faith in God. That's how he's keeping us. Unto 
salvation which is ready to be revealed in the last time. There will be another salvation for, me to, for, for those that are living at that time. It's going to be salvation from the destruction of the world. Because after that, God will now come down with the saints that have gone to meet him in the sky to start living on this planet forever. In the book of Revelation chapter 20, you can read that part. Verse 6 now. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. He said, ye, he said, we believers that are hearing this, he said, we are rejoicing in this thing that we have heard and we believe it and we are rejoicing that this thing will take place one day. And those who are dead before that happened, they are waiting in paradise. Their soul and spirit is just resting in paradise because at the third time, God is going to bring them back to take a new body, going to give them their body back. They will be resurrected from the graves and they will live again on this planet for forever. Those are the Christians. Say, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in evidence through manifold temptations. There may be, you may be going through some things right now that may be trial times, heaviness, through temptations. Temptation could be persecutions also, or resisting the devil who wanted to make you sin. These are all trial times also. He said that you may be having all those. Temporary, those are temporary things, but for if season, if need be, that is sometimes you may not, it's not everybody that may go through persecution. But some may go through it if God permits it. He said that's why he said, if need be. Sometimes people don't need to go through it because they are already on the way to perfection. Because some of those persecutions is to make us perfect, to make us stand firm, to make us not deny Christ, to prove our faith. But some people don't, not everybody will need to, to, to go through persecution. Not everybody needs to face the, 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 the slapping and the, and the beating and the something. But those who face it, they are being proved that they love God so much and they are ready to die for God. And then they are a greater reward when they get to, when they get to meet the Lord because they prove their feel like Job. Look at what happened to, the, to Job in the book of Job. He lost all his children through what? Why? Because God was allowing the Satan, it was Satan that was doing it, but God allowed Satan to go and prove him. It's not everyone that follows God that must go through that. Everybody go through some measure of test and trial and temptation, but not severe one like that. So everybody will go through something to prove their standing for God. But he says that that may be, he said, that's why he said, though now for a season, if need be, and if just if the lot, if your lot is that you may have to go through some of that. You are in the evidence through manifold temptation, but don't worry about it. God is going to stand with you if you stand firm. Verse 7 said, That the trial of your faith, that's what he's saying, calling it, is the trial of our faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. See, our faith being tried is more precious than gold. Though it be tried with fire, even if gold is tried with fire, he said, We are all. Trying of our faith is pre more precious than that of gold that is tried in the fire because when they make when they want to mint gold, after they go to the under the ground to in the gold mines and pull out this gold, there's a lot, a lot of dirt around the gold. Not the dirt you can see around it on outside, but deep inside maybe some other particles that are fused itself inside the gold material. So the the goldsmith have to almost melt that gold until all of those impurities are dissolved. They will dissolve before the, before the gold melts because they dissolve faster. And when those are dissolved, the gold is getting brighter and sharper and 
more pure. And that's what he's using to describe this trial of our faith. It's also to make us pure because that trial is going to pull out some things from our soul, from our system that is making us to, to not be perfect. And so he said that we are also being pressured. We are more precious than that gold. And our trying of our faith is, more pure, is much more precious than the trying of gold that is put in fire. So that we may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Talking about appearing of Lord Jesus Christ. Whom have we not seen? We have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of us have not seen him in dream or vision. Yet we love him. In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. There are many believers all over the world. Some have not even seen the Lord Jesus Christ, but they just believe what they heard preached to them. And something in their spirit is testifying that that's the truth. And that's how they accepted Christ. They don't need to see him. Jesus Christ said that blessed are they that have not seen me, but they believe. So they are more blessed by not even seeing him physically. And yet they believe the record that, there was, that Christ came and died for mankind. And they believe it. He said, you are blessed. When he was talking to doubting Thomas. Apostle Thomas has said, unless I see the mark of the nail in his hand, unless I see the mark of the piercing sword in his side, I won't believe that he resurrected. And a week later, Jesus Christ manifested to all of them and said, Thomas, come over here. Put your finger right into the hole in my hand. And Peter and said, put your finger right here in, this, in my side and don't be doubting, be believing. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Say, blessed are those that have not even seen me, and yet they believe. That means we are more blessed than those who say, unless I see him. So that's why Apostle Peter is using that to, to in his epistle here, saying, whom we have not seen yet, we love him. Even though we have not seen him not, yet we believe him, we rejoice him with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Verse 9. Say so you are receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. That is, the end of our faith is the hope we are believing for. Say so receiving this end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Pastor say, of which salvation is now going to be talking about this salvation of our souls? Say so of this salvation, the prophets, as the prophets of old, have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you? Now you see that verse 10. Apostle Peter is making us to see that all the prophets of the Old Testament, many of them are seeing this thing that is coming. What we are enjoying right now, the world, the salvation that we take freely, that we take, take it for granted that oh, I'm saved from my sin. Jesus Christ came and came to my life and I'm a new Christian in Christ Jesus. Don't take it lightly. The prophets of old saw this thing coming. They didn't know when it's going to happen. They just saw that there will be saints on earth. Saints, that's why they call them holy people. The book of Daniel mentioned that the saints are talking to one another. It's, it was seen ahead of time that there will be saints of God, which are we Christians, are the saints. Holy people that are talking back and forth about the prophecies of the end. And that is what uh, they were seeing before. The prophets of old saw this and they were inquiring about it because after the Spirit of God in them showed them these things coming. Just think about it. This thing is coming. Just like in this our generation, we are seeing the rapture is coming. That's why many people say, oh, I had a vision. People are going up in the sky. God is showing them the rapture is coming. It may not be in their time, but he's making them to gear up, to keep looking for more of, of God. That is really what is that purpose. But it's a 
is a future event that God is showing to them so that they can prepare, so they can seek God more, they can love God more. And whether that future event appeared in their time or not, it makes them, by showing it to them, it makes them to prepare more for the Lord. And that is what they are, the prophets of old also were receiving in their time. That's what Apostle Peter was saying in verse 10 there. See, this salvation that we are enjoying right now, the prophets of old have inquired and searched diligently about it. Why? Because God showed to them this thing is coming. This thing is coming. As I mentioned it, that we are saved. He, said, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, this Messiah. And by his stripes, we are healed. Well, Isaiah may not even enjoy all those things when he was, he was just saying it, it's coming to happen in the future. And they may say, well, how can his stripes heal us? They were inquiring about it. But we are enjoying right now that we are just to confess it and believe in it and our body is well. By just believing and confessing that his stripes before he went to the cross is for our healing. But they were already seeing it ahead of time. And they were prophesying about it. That's what Apostle Peter was saying. These people, these prophets of old, God showed it to them. And they were not enjoying it, but they were seeing that this thing is coming. Just like now, I'm telling you what is coming. Like we are going to be glowing like light when Christ is done with us. We are going to be glowing like light and we'll be able to appear and disappear. You want to go to somewhere, in the, just you think of your thoughts, you'll be there. That is coming. The, that is the transportation system God has already ordained in the physical universe that we can't tap into it, just like electricity. Look at the electricity. You know how long these electricity have been? Well, you may say well, they discovered electricity maybe in 19 or something, or 100 years or something ago. But do you think they, 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 they created electricity? No, nobody created electricity. This has already been. Human beings didn't know how to tap into it until God revealed it to them. So now everybody seems to have said electricity has been with us for, for, for many of you are born. There's electricity in your house. You just wired it. Many people don't know how it got to your house unless you go to college and learn everything about the technology and so on and so forth. Many people just know that just pay the electricity people and they will bring the wire and, and they are just enjoying it. Also. But see, these things have been even before they discovered, before human beings discovered it. It's, the electrons are already there. God is just leading man to be able to discover how to tap into it so that we can now make it to light the world. That's just one thing. What about transportation system? Angels can appear and disappear also. But they are just using transportation system God has already ordained. But we can't tap into it until God allows human beings to, to get to it. And it may not be true tech, through tech, technology because Jesus Christ is already using it. It's going to be true what is building up in our body system. Our body is particle. See, all of those things are things that we are now seeing in the future. It's coming. It's coming. The prophets of old saw this salvation we are enjoying. And they are saying, it's coming. It's coming. They didn't enjoy it, but we are enjoying it. And that is what I want you to take, think closely about it, that these things Apostle, Apostle Peter was saying, that the prophets of old were searching for these things, and they didn't enjoy it, but they were telling us about it. And we are enjoying that now. We are still seeing some other things that are still in the future God has prepared for mankind. We are not enjoying it yet, but we believe that Christ will bring it to come to pass in the future. And then in the final end, all of us, even those that are there, will be resurrected to be enjoying these things that God has created for mankind. That's why he said, I will raise them up at the last day and where there will be no more death. I'm going to continue this exhortation. We were actually in verse 11, verse 10 of first uh, Peter 
He said this prophet, they diligently search for these things, and they prophesy of the grace, that's the free gift, that should come unto you, unto we that are now enjoying it. Verse 11 says, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. When he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that you follow. So they were seeing the sufferings of Christ. I said the prophets mentioned the sufferings of Christ in Isaiah chapter 53. They were seeing it at high. And what we follow after that suffering of Christ is the glory of Jesus Christ coming into his glory. And then bringing many more sons into glory. We that are being brought out of darkness into the light of God. Now enjoying salvation. To be able to talk to God, that now we are called saints of God, and we are living holy, and more to come that God has planned. And they saw this coming, and they were testifying. We are going to continue this in the next program, in the next broadcast. God bless you.